Hey there, I'm so glad you can come hang out with me for a while. The Bible lists Jacob's, his earthly daddy, bloodline all the way back to God's first son, Adam. But we know that Jacob is not Jesus' blood father because he was born of a virgin. So when the author Luke was writing about Mary's lineage, he traced it all the way back to Adam also. So Jesus was the king of the Jews figuratively and literally. Now when Jesus left John at the Jordan River, he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit led him to the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the evil one. He hadn't eaten nothing for those 40 days. Needless to say, after them 40 days was up, he was starving. Now think about it. Geez, there's no way in this world I could live 40 days without food. After about four or five hours, my wife says I get hangry. <laughs> the devil knew he was starving and used that knowledge to keep tempting me. The evil one told him if he really was the son of God to take a stone and turn it into bread. Yeah, we all know he could have did that, no problem. But he couldn't give in to the temptation because he had to be perfect. The only human to ever walk the face of the earth and never sin. Because for his sacrifice to work, he must be unblemished. This is one of the pet peeves I have of a lot of the old Bible movies. They portray Jesus with just the deity part in mind. But he was 100% human and 100% deity. That's one of the reasons I like the new series, The Chosen, because it shows the human side of him. He had all the emotions that we struggle with today. But his deity side allowed him to control them to a point that none of us will ever achieve. Of course, that is what we are supposed to strive for. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. But anyways, that old devil tried his best to knock Jesus off his game, but Jesus come back and told him that, that man don't live on just bread. Now where he got that quote from was a feller back in the old days named Moses. He told the people that man don't live on just bread, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I bet that old devil was cussing up a storm by this time. Next, the devil led him up high on a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a flash. He told Jesus if he would worship him, he would give it all to him, and they could rule together. What the devil didn't get was all that stuff was already Jesus's, and if he wanted it, he could have it. Here again, Jesus quotes old Moses and tells the devil that we ain't supposed to worship nobody but God and serve him only. But the devil still wasn't done with him. He led Jesus to Jerusalem and he took him to the highest point of the temple where the Jewish people came to worship. The devil told Jesus if he really was the son of God, he could jump off there where they were standing and the angels would protect him like was written in one of the Psalms in the Old Testament. <laughs> well, here again, Jesus quotes old Moses and tells him, you ain't supposed to tempt the Lord God. Well, I reckon this did it for the old serpent. He left Jesus alone for a while. The angels came and tended to Jesus. The Bible don't exactly say what all they done, but I'm sure they brought him food and water and cleaned him up good. He was the son of their living God, and they loved him. Now, after all that, 
Jesus went back to Galilee and was teaching in their churches. News spread everywhere about him. Everyone praised him. They knew he was their savior. He was doing so good that he decided to go back to his hometown of Nazareth. The people there knew him from when he was just a carpenter's son. It was harder for them to believe in him because they watched him grow up just like their children. They couldn't understand how this regular guy could all of a sudden be the son of God when before everyone thought he was Joseph's son. He talked to them and told them some stuff, but they wasn't having it. They run him out of town and took him out to the cliff outside of town and was going to push him off. But all of a sudden, he just simply walks through the crowds of people and goes away. You know, we see this happen a bunch of times. That's, he makes his little exit. Nobody can find him. He left Nazareth and went to Capernaum and lived there a while. He taught in the church and they were amazed by him because they said his teaching had authority. At this time, Jesus was kind of keeping it on the down low that he was the Son of God. Most times he was calling himself the Son of Man, which he also was. One day while he was in church teaching the people, he saw a man that was possessed by a demon. Now what in the world would a demon-possessed dude be doing in a church? The only thing I can figure is that God made him go there to meet Jesus. Because God made a lot of this stuff happen just to get the glorifying out of it. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, he glorified God. Anyways, the man started hollering and telling Jesus to go away. He said, What do you want from us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now this is documented in the Gospels of the Bible by people that were there. Why anyone wouldn't choose to believe this is beyond me. I mean, it's written in old texts. They believe all the stuff about the Egyptians and all this stuff they find. Why would they not believe these texts? It proves who he is. The demon knew him. Jesus was like, shh, stupid, come out of him. And boom, the man fell down and the demon came out of him without hurting him. Now this is why I believe God put that dude there. Because all of the people around there saw this and words spread like wildfire about him. About how he could just speak the words and demons obeyed him. From then on, Jesus began to preach for people to repent. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two fellows out there fishing in a boat. He hollered at them and told them to follow him and he would make them fishers of men. Well, they threw down their nets and followed him. They were Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. So they walked down a little further and come across two, two other fellows named James and John. They was brothers too. They was in their boat with their daddy fixing up their nets, getting them ready to go out fishing. Jesus called to them and said, follow him. And they left their daddy there and followed him. One day Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. He must have liked it there because he was there a lot. But he was standing there and all the people was crowding around him trying to hear what he was saying. He was preaching the word of God. Simon and Andrew and James and John had been out all night fishing but didn't catch nothing in either of their boats. So they had their boats docked right there and was washing out their nets in the water. So Jesus gets in Simon's boat and he asked Simon to go out a little from the shore 
so he could get back from the people. They were crowding around him, I guess making him nervous, I don't know. Then he sat down in the boat and he started teaching the people from there. When he got done teaching the people, he told Simon to go out a little deeper in the water and cast his nets. Well, Simon was like, dude, we've been out all night and ain't caught nothing. I'm going home and going to bed. Well, he didn't say that to Jesus, but I bet he was thinking it. <laughs> but instead, he said, well, since it's you telling me to do it, I will. When they started to pull up the nets, they were so full with fish that they began to rip. And they called out to James and John to come help them. When they were done, they had so many fish in both their boats that both boats were sinking. <laughs> Simon Peter fell to his knees in front of Jesus and told, and told him to go away from him because he was a sinful man. And Jesus said, nope, we got stuff to do. Now get up from there and let's go sell these fish. <laughs> Now Jesus went all through Galilee and the surrounding areas teaching and preaching the gospel, which means good news, the gospel, to all the people and they followed him by the thousands. And it's during this time he does what is called the Sermon on the Mount. He saw all these thousands of people and figured this was his chance to change some lives in bulk. So he went up on a mountain or a big hill and sat down. He began to teach what we now call the Beatitudes. I'm not going to go into all that because it's plainly spelled out in red letters in the book of Mark in the Bible. My advice is to go online and find a version of that Bible that's easy to read. They've got the easy to read versions and it makes it a lot easier, especially when you're starting out. And study that. It's what Jesus wants you to do. He left you a book with all the instructions in it. Don't ask him what he wants you to do. It's right there in plain writing. And in almost every language in the world. It explains how we're supposed to live. If you ain't a believer, then all this don't really pertain to you. The only thing you need to do is make a decision that although you can't see God and Jesus and you can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they exist, you're going to choose to believe in them. Because that's what you want to do. I mean, what's your other choice? Nothing? I like my choices this way. Anyways, you choose to believe in them and you're going to declare with all your heart, mind, and soul that Jesus is your Savior. And He came down from heaven and was born of flesh, died, and was resurrected. And once you do that, you can get someone to baptize you. Now what that's for, it's a surrender. You're going to stand there and let another human being hold you by the head and lay you back under the water. When you do that, you have surrendered all and given yourself to God to use in order to glorify Him. If you just stand there and let Him dunk you, you're just playing. you got to surrender to Him. You, as you've known yourself since you were born, have died. When you come up out of that water and breathe in the glorious air is your rebirth with Jesus as your Savior. You will now strive to live a life that is pleasing to Him and God and teach others to do the same. That is the meaning of life. Now you can go and read the Beatitudes in Mark and it will tell you how He expects you to live your life. All that trouble and strife you've suffered before your resurrection into Jesus was from sin. Now any troubles you have will be God's plan for you. You won't even know you're being used until you get through the trouble and look back and you'll be like, Huh, 
That's why I had to go through that. Because God sees the big picture. He sees it all. All we see is this little section that surrounds us as far as we can see. We're limited in our sight. Just trust Him and you know He is with you. Now it's about time I go. Next time we visit each other, I'm going to tell you about some of my favorite miracles that Jesus did while He was here on earth. Today God let you awake when He could have called you home. He must have something for you to do. Don't just look at the sky and ask questions. He's already wrote you instructions down. Go read them. I love you, flaws and all. God bless.